Hello and welcome to Open Room Talks, a podcast which draws on open room events experiencing connecting people to bring you quality discussions between industry experts, innovative suppliers, and high-powered end-users on pertinent issues in a variety of sectors. Hello, I am Kiana Sapp, and today we are in the world of retail, specifically fuel retail. Joining me for our second episode of Open Room Talks, I have Darren Smith and Robert Onion. Darren is the Senior Manager of Retail Marketing at MRAT in the UAE. He holds over 30 years retail experience in both the UK and the Middle East. His experience spans from hypermarkets to forecourt convenience stores, and he has conceptualized and developed several retail concepts, including franchise businesses. Robert is the founder of Circle, a brand and design consultancy. Uh, before setting up the company, he worked in several leading brand and design agencies internationally, including in the USA and Spain. He is a regular speaker on branding and design for the fuel retail sector and a leading expert in fuel retailing in the Middle East. Thank you both so much for joining me. Very welcome. Very welcome. Uh, you're welcome. So the three of us met last September at Petrofor Amina in Dubai, but I know that you two have been doing business together for a while now. Uh, where did you first meet? I met Darren probably in about 1996. Would that be right, Darren? Yeah, it'd be about 96. I joined Emirat in 95, so maybe 96, yeah. So, yeah, we met as a client and consultant. We, we'd actually been working with Emirat since about 1993, 94. So Darren joined a couple of years after um, our engagement with the company. Brilliant. So tell me a bit more about that working relationship between Emirat and Circle. What are some of the projects that you two have worked on together? We've worked with Circle since the beginning. So before there was an Emirat, uh, there was a relationship between Emirat and Circle. We have then more or less developed every single brand that we have had with them. So it's been a long relationship and through eight or nine different brands and iterations of different brands. For example, the convenience store, we have uh, redeveloped it three or four times now. That, that's right. So our history with Emirat goes back, as I mentioned, to the early 90s, where we were responsible for actually creating the initial fuel and corporate brand. So before this, they were called Emirates Group Petroleum Corporation, or EGPC, and looking to really modernize, which was, I guess it was hand in hand with the kind of modernization and the the amazing journey that Dubai in particular has been upon in the last over 25, 26, 27 years. So over that period of time, we've been fortunate enough to maintain a really long-term relationship with, with Emirat and have been involved in all of their major kind of brand innovations, which has been, been fantastic just in terms of longevity of a client relationship and obviously enjoying very much working together and what that that kind of relationship is i think is has been the key to the success of the projects i think one good thing as well is that it's not just that uh me and rob have a good working relationship but uh he's also over the years got to build up good relationships with quite a few of our team members so it allows you to be very forthright in the thought process and very direct with each other because there's that known understanding that you're trying for the best interest of the business, not only with retail, but with projects and uh, lubricants and other departments. It's a very broad working relationship that Emirat has with their circle. Reinforce that point about relationships. I mean, 
we obviously work for a number of different organizations, but I think the strength of the relationship, just in terms of understanding not just the corporate goals for the business, but understanding the individuals and the motivations of the individuals within the business. And that's from both sides. Emirates as a client and the various people within that client base that we work with understand where we are strong. They understand also our limitations and vice versa. We understand the personalities and the aspirations of some of the individuals, although obviously over a period of 25 years, 26 years, um, people do come and go to, to, to an extent. I think that's natural within any organization but definitely the strength of the relationship understanding really kind of getting under the skin of an organization has been really to enable the success of, of many of the projects so it's very unusual it's it's i guess the kind of defining feature of our work with emma is the the length of the relationship and it's something we work very hard with and hard on we don't take it for granted and we ensure that any new assignment that we are engaged with we bring our a team if you like to the to the project and although personally i've been involved with all of the projects over 26 27 years obviously from our side we have a number of different designers and design teams working on the project and i think that's another feature which which allows fresh eyes so we rotate the teams but we have a kind of overview if you like and a, a deep understanding of what the emirate brand is I've obviously worked with other companies as well. And I think an important thing with Circle and Emirat working together is that we work hard in the beginning to know what we want when we start a project. So we just don't launch into something and hope that it'll go the right way. But we actually sit down and, you know, we look at things like budget and uh, objectives for the project and try and make sure that uh, we have the right brief from day one so that we're, we're working towards an objective and then that objective doesn't change uh, as we move down the project. Unless, of course, new information comes in, but otherwise we, we have quite a specific brief from the beginning, which I think helps to achieve what Emirat wants within the budget that we've got for this project. I think it's very easy for uh, with a design company, and I've seen it with other companies, whereby they just go for every option and just say yes, yes, yes to everything, and then they get really something that maybe at the beginning they didn't really envisage and really is not serving the purpose that they had in mind from the beginning. So, I think it's one of the um, real positives from our point of view of working with Emra is that, as you mentioned, you're as an organisation, you're always clear before pencil is put to paper. Uh, you're clear about your objectives, which you'd be amazed how few clients actually have any idea of a brief. And I would say... 75% of the time, at least, we are actually responsible for putting the brief together because our clients just don't know how to put a brief together. They 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 really struggle, probably due to the fact that they're not used to engaging with uh, designers, possibly, uh, or possibly that there's the kind of lack of strategic or joined up thinking, maybe different views within the organization about the aspirations for a project. So starting with a kind of clear understanding of the objectives, the aspirations, the, the brief, the budget, all the practical and operational things is absolutely vital. And the fact that Emirat are clear about what your objectives are makes our lives much, much easier. That's not to say we don't have to be flexible. I think the, the nature of working as a designer and as a consultant in branding 
especially in the Middle East. Flexibility is our kind of byword. And I think it's one of the factors that precludes a lot of other people from working in the Middle East. Um, we actually enjoy it. And I think because we've been working in the region for so long, we've, we've kind of come to understand a lot of the customs and also the personalities of, of people in, in the region. That's not to assume that everybody's the same, but flexibility is, is super important. And you know, not throwing your toys out the pram if ideas which we think are wonderfully creative get thrown out and we are, we're asked to go back to the drawing board. We, we do that on a regular basis because it's for the best result of the project. So flexibility is super important. So yeah, kind of understanding over the years, which has built up, between ourselves, MRAP, but also the local culture. I think, Darren, we were, we were talking a bit earlier, weren't we, about some of the other consultants and people you've come into contact with who, who maybe don't have quite such a clear idea about the local culture. Yeah, I think that's important because this part of the world is, is unique, I think, maybe even unique in the world, because we have, throughout the region, large expatriate workforces, and sometimes those salary levels are not the same as what you'd find in Europe for the same type of job. And their priorities are also different because they come here to support their families and don't necessarily have that much disposable income here. So I think when you come to this region, it's important to understand the differences between, for example, Europe and the Middle East and the differences in spending power and spending habits and, and priorities of people. Because a lot of people here, especially expatriates, that their main objective is to send money home back to the family and mm. they don't exactly live the same type of lifestyle that perhaps they might live if they were living at home or living in Europe. So I think when you deal with a company for a lot of years, then they understand this and maybe understand how the priorities for customers are different and how the shop and the forecourt has to reflect those differences. Exactly. I think that also going back to the working relationship that we've enjoyed with Emirat is to do with working as a team. I think that that's super important is that actually when we collaborate on projects, it's about working together. And we talk to clients about this all the time. And, you know, most people say, yeah, I'd love to do it. But very few actually do engage properly in, in the process. And I think that it's all very well having, you know, you can have the greatest design in the world. But unless it's being interpreted, unless the concept is being enabled by the business and being fully bought into, it's, it's pointless having great design if the operational standards or whatever are not up to scratch at the other end. So it's very much about working hand in glove with Emirat and ensuring that our concepts are fit for purpose, but also working very much as a team with the various people at, at the Emirat end of the business. Yeah, I'd say more than that as well. As, as the MRAT team, what we always try to do is look at the business as well and look at, for example, if we're redesigning the convenience store, then we look at how the sales figures for each different category performs and do we have the right amount of space on the shop floor for those categories? Uh, for example, drinks, traditionally underfaced. I mean, we used to have maybe four or five doors on the chiller. I think now we've gone up to 10. Mm. Uh, so we look at the different categories and the different sales and we try and bring that business acumen uh, into the design process. Absolutely. I think I wonder if it's worth just kind of reflecting on some of the projects that we've, we've, we've done over the years. And I think that we started talking a little bit about the early days, 92, 90 to 96, when the, I think the brand was actually 
officially launched in 95. But I think that where Emirates have been really strong is not standing on their laurels or sitting on their laurels. You know, you've been very, very active in kind of behaving like retailers, which a lot of oil companies don't. Um, I think that the behavior of Emirates is very, very innovative. And I think, Dan, perhaps you could just mention some of the projects where you've innovated the market. Well, I think one of the things we've always tried to do is differentiate ourselves from the competition because at the end of the day, we are all offering fuel. And in the UAE, we offer the fuel at the same price. So typically ourselves and our competitors, all the price of fuel is the same. So you have to differentiate yourself through the non-fuel offer. So over the years, we've always tried to look at ways of doing that. And for example, in 2004, we introduced Bakeria, which was basically products baked fresh throughout the day. So what you want to eat, when you want to eat it, at a price that you really want to pay every day. Because what we saw in the market was that every single company was selling the same products at more or less the same prices. So you didn't have any differentiation. So you had to try and find a way to bring customers into your store. So we did that through Bakeria. Then we introduced our own coffee range, which was Cafe Arabica. Before that, we were a uh, a franchisee of a a globally famous coffee brand. But then we found that we'd do it ourselves. And actually, we we did very well. The first year, our sales were up 22%. But you constantly have to innovate because the global brands, they have its brand strength and that brand is recognized. So that's what you're always trying to compete against. But the advantage of having your own brand is that you have ownership of that brand and you can decide how you're going to use that brand. I think that's so important in a kind of what you can describe as a commoditized market. You've got to find other reasons to, to get people's attention and to grab them and to encourage them to use your services, haven't you? So whether that's either in the shop or, or elsewhere around the site, it's you know there's got to be other reasons beyond fuel. As you say, it's commoditized, it's the same price. So how do you create that differentiation and and get people into your sites. Yeah, again, we also did that with uh, Fast Track again back in 2003, 2004, which is basically a, a light vehicle repair service, which at the time was the, the first in the area. And we also, we, we innovated there. And again, it's been shown because our competitors and the wider market, they've, they've copied, the, uh, copied the concept. I mean, okay, the concept wasn't new for the, uh, for the world, but certainly this region, it was something new. And before you had a choice of either the traditional car dealerships or you went to the old-fashioned industrial areas that we have in this part of the world, there was there was nothing in the middle. So we actually filled that middle ground with the fast track. I think also you were the first people to introduce vehicle testing and registration through Shamil onto your sites, which again, a uh, fantastic offer for your customers. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure we're first with that, but I think we're, we're right there at the beginning. And I think one of the important things that's worth saying here as well is that I talked before about bringing the business element into the design process. Mm. But another important part of the design process is actually to trust the design company that you're working with, because at the end of the day, they're experts in their field. We're experts as fuel retailers, and we understand our business, but then you have to trust the design company that they actually know their business very well. And at the end of the process, you're going to get something which will really impress the customers. And I think we've been pretty successful with that. I think that's that's kind of music to a designer's ears, really, because that trust in what we're able to deliver really enables us to bring the best, 
best ideas to the table. I think every design company will know this and every consultant will know this, that you know, there are certain people, certain clients, certain buyers that really want to get involved, but too involved in the design process to the extent of suggesting colors, logos, layouts, whatever it might be, and actually kind of forgetting why they, why they engage with you in the first time. So the, the fact that we, we've had a really trusting relationship with, with Emirat over these kind of 25 years has been a major contributing factor to the success of some of these brands in that sometimes we're not necessarily coming along with the solution that you may have expected, but the fact that there's trust in testing some of these ideas has really enabled their successful implementation. And kind of brings me on to another point about understanding the process from how do you engage with the designer and then how do you take an idea from a sheet of paper or from a computer, from a Mac PowerPoint, whatever, however you present the idea, how do you then take that and turn it into a reality? And I think that where Amarat have been really strong is with your internal teams, especially on the engineering side, you've got a fantastic team of engineers who understand clearly the process of working with us, but also how do you then take that, that sketch or that visual and turn it into a reality through for a whole series of, um, you know, whether that's testing, prototyping, key element mock-ups, and really seeing the value in in that process. So before you introduce it to the wider world, before you implement your first site, um, going through a kind of very rigorous testing process, which is really beneficial. It means you're not you're not taking ideas that may not necessarily be successful into the marketplace, but equally you're you're able to kind of iron out all of those wrinkles before you actually start to implement ideas and introduce new concepts to customers so that that kind of understanding of the process from taking uh, concepts from paper into reality is really strong within within your team within the emirate team but also the way that we work together it's kind of seen as a given that ideas are tested before they are they are taken to market I think that's a good point, but another good point here is that actually saves you money as well. You get a better result because you've tested it, and that actually saves you money. So I think it's a win-win situation. It is, but again, you'd be amazed how many people just want to kind of there's this kind of desperation to you know once you've got the visual to kind of then build it almost immediately without that kind of rigorous testing, and it never works. You know, I think that it's a kind of a long-term saving really just by kind of testing things properly putting the right processes in place and also getting the right people involved whether that's people from your own team but also the relevant manufacturers suppliers and making it you know really really making it a team effort and i think that's that's one of the kind of key features of the engagements that we we have with emirat yeah, that's definitely true i think we've continued this right through to our latest service station which just opened about six months ago and again, I would say it was really quite a step forward in terms of design and shop layout. And it, even after all these years of working together, you're still able to innovate and keep things fresh, yeah, keep up to date with the latest trends and sales trends and everything together. It's not like you just work together and it becomes like a, a tied relationship. No, we've, we've managed to keep it fresh up after all these years, I think. Well, thank you so much for that discussion. We certainly covered a lot there. We spoke about how you build enduring business relationships, uh, cultural differences across the world in business, the importance of teamwork, 
some of Emirates' innovations, uh, diversifying product offerings to improve market share in competitive markets, importance of trusting the experts, and the importance of testing ideas. So in a short amount of time, we've covered a, a lot. So I thank you for that. Um, but before you go, uh, there's a couple quick fire questions to put you on the spot uh, that we intend to ask all of our guests. Um, so the first one of those is, what is the best piece of advice uh, that you've ever received? I'll start with you, Darren. I guess business-wise, the best piece of advice I ever I received was when I did my MBA. And it wasn't so much a piece of advice, but it was a quotation. And it's a quotation that stuck with me uh, 20, 25 years, which was uh, in marketing, uh, it's most important uh, not to look in the mirror, but to look out the window when you're looking at the business. And I think that's very important because I think a lot of people, a lot of businessmen, they assume they know what customers think and what the business is doing. But really, how many times do they actually go out there and truly find out what's working? So I think that's the best piece of business advice I received was, look out of the window, don't look into the mirror when you're trying to decide how to market something. I love that. That's great. And Robert, have you got anything for us? Well, yeah, they're, 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 there's, there's two things, really. They're, there's one thing that might sound, sound slightly trite, but my granddad always used to say to me, make hay while the sun shines. Now, um, <laughs> it's, it's a fairly obvious thing to do, but when you kind of think about it more deeply, it's, it is actually something that I've really embraced. And what, what that means for me is actually taking every opportunity that comes your way and also just kind of not being scared of stepping outside your comfort zone sometimes because by doing that, you really get to test your own abilities and also get to kind of push some quite interesting concepts. So, yeah, it's a bit of a kind of throwaway thing, but, you know, I think it's really important to look at an opportunity, analyse it and kind of really make the most of it because um, they don't come around very often. So, yeah stepping outside your comfort zone and taking opportunities. The other thing which, again, maybe not earth-shattering, but I, I set my business up with a business partner who, who, left, who left the business many years ago. But one of the things that he said when actually he, he, he left the business, which was about focus, and I think that at the time it was, it was probably something I was going to do anyway, but designers can tend to be very generalist and kind of we're quite egotistical people quite often and we think that we can do everything and anything um that's the name really yeah <laughs> that's designers for you but I, but, I, but actually his advice was really good which was focusing in on a sector and becoming experts really really real you know kind of deep a deep understanding of that sector and becoming expert in it and that's what we did that's what we've been doing over the last 20 years is becoming very expert um, in one particular sector, which we've been discussing this afternoon with, with Darren. Finally, self-isolating. Uh, I've had a lot of time to read books. So I'm asking all of my guests, have you got any book recommendations for our listeners? Well, I have a book recommendation that, again, it goes back many years. And I think I've had this book three times now. So I, I bought it three times. Friends have asked me to borrow it twice and I never got it back. So that's a recommendation in itself. And when everybody asked after that, I just refused to lend it to them. So my recommendation is a book called Managing Brand Equity by a guy called David A. Aker. And it's just very pragmatic information, which is very easy to read, very easy to understand, and very easy to actually put into practice. So that's my recommendation. Uh, yeah, I wish I could say that I've been reading something brand or design related, but I haven't. I've, I've just put down a book called Bomber by Len Dayton, which 
is a is a kind of forensic analysis of of a bombing raid over Germany in the Second World War uh, by a squadron of Lancaster bombers. Now, it's it's really interesting in terms of the the amount of people that are affected by one small action, or not one small action, one major action, but the effect that that has on hundreds, maybe thousands of people. And also, how do you behave in adversity? And I think that we're all at the moment trying to come to terms with very, very unusual and um, quite adverse conditions. I'm, I'm not suggesting for a second that they are any, any way, in any way as adverse as a bombing raid, but it does kind of make you think about actually how do you, how do you behave and how do you, how do you respond to you know, slightly adverse conditions. So a, a book that I could recommend. Thank you again to uh, both of you. I've really enjoyed it. And I think there's plenty for our listeners uh, to think about in that. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Kiana. All right. We'll see you later. Thank you for tuning in to Open Room Talks. We hope that you've enjoyed the episode. For inquiries, please feel free to get in touch via email on hello at openroomevents.com. For details on future episodes, please follow us on LinkedIn or visit openroomevents.com. Until next time.